Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Today's episode focuses on keeping kids safe from sexual content online. Although we might not want to consider our young people going online and discovering sexual content, it happens. So what do we do about this? To help answer this question and a whole bunch of other questions on this topic, I invited Amy Lang to be my guest. Amy Lang has been a sexual health educator for over 26 years. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style, she helps parents become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. Her books, her Just Say This podcast, and Birds and Bees Solution Center give parents the advice and support they need to prepare their kids for this important part of life. Amy is also currently set to release her new book, Sex Talk with Teens, What to Say and How to Say It, this spring, 2022. So without any further ado on my side, Amy, would you like to say hi to our audience and tell us a little bit more about your background? Yes, I'd love to say hi. Hi, and thank you having for having me on the show, Lori. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Yeah, I was actually when I started my company, which is called Birds and Bees and Kids, I'd been a sex educator and I'd been working with teenagers and adults and doing pregnancy and birth control counseling, STI counseling kind of the usual stuff. And I had assumed I was going to be just amazing at the sex talks when I had a kid and I was not, I thought Milo was going to tell me it felt good to touch his penis when he was about five. And I had a a little internal freak out. And that's when I realized that I needed help talking with kids. I didn't know when to have the conversations, how to have them. And so I started doing some research and sorting that out for my family. And then I realized that I could probably help other parents have these conversations. I have a master's degree and my focus was in adult education. So I just combined my two favorite things. And here we are talking about the sex. Excellent. And to make sure that I have everything correct, what are the books that you've written? So I have written three. My latest is called Sex Talks with Tweens, What to Say and How to Say It. And it's coming out, like you said, this spring, 2022. And it is tips, a little bit of tips, but mostly scripts. Parents are always asking me, what do I say? So it's scripts for just about every topic I could think of. And I literally give you the words. My other book is called Birds and Bees and Your Kids, a guide to sharing your beliefs about sexuality, love, and relationships. And that book is intended to help you get ready for the conversations. There's some work we all need to do in order to really show up for our kids in a way that's where we look confident and comfortable, even if we're not really. And the last book is a book that I wrote for teenagers called Dating Smarts. And it's, um, it's about helping kids get ready for dating, what are healthy relationships, a little bit, of course, about sex and that kind of thing. So those are my three books. I'm super excited about my new one, of course, because everyone is excited about their new one. And then I have my podcast, which is called Just Say This, and it is Q&A style. So people call in, leave me a voicemail, I answer their questions on the show, or they send me an email. And um, yeah, so it's been super fun. And it's a hodgepodge. So I get a 
question from a parent of a three-year-old about their kid who won't let go over their penis all the way up, you know, any number of things, dating, dating questions and a ton of questions about pornography and what to do about it. And yeah, that is, I mean, you probably have experienced this too. It has become one of the most troublesome and pervasive and unfortunate parts of kids' sexual health and sexual development right now. It's awful. I know for for my background, I've worked in the schools and now I train future health teachers. We need to have conversations and lessons about what kids are finding online, yet there is a fear out there regarding the subject. Can I ask the question of why do you perceive this is a needed topic for caregivers? Well, it's needed because the average age of exposure is 10. And that's what we know from talking with young people about their first exposure. But actually, I think it's younger. I think it might be more like eight or nine. And kids are curious and they have this place they can go where they can get an answer to anything. And they'll Google sex or boobs or penis or any number of things and end up being exposed to pornography. And it is, um, it's kind of a health crisis in some ways because it's unavoidable. Every child will see porn before they graduate from high school, which is a problem, you know, and as adults, you know, we've seen, well, if you haven't seen porn, I highly recommend you Google sex and then you click on that first link because you need to see what your kids are going to see. And, um, it is hard and some of you are users. And um, so, you know, and if you imagine you've got a 10 year old brain and you're seeing that it's not healthy and it's confusing and scary and sends all these awful messages. So, you know, we, it is unavoidable. And I believe as parents and sexuality educators, um, it's, you know, we have an, uh, kind of an moral and ethical obligation to make sure our kids understand what it is and know what to do when they see it. Now, it's interesting, Amy, is I just pulled up my internet and I put in the word sex. And the first thing that appears is Sex Education Alliance, which is one of the things that we're both a part of. I first think, because I make sure that I go to places that are reliable and the Sex Education Alliance is a reliable resource or organization for people to go to. And then I also, because I'm a health educator, I had these healthier websites appear. Yet I know if you're not a health educator or a sexual health educator, you put in that word and so many different things appear. What appears is not truth in my eyes. It's more, uh, if we see the research, there's violence. Like young people, they're thinking that this is what we do. This is what's typical that most people enjoy. And it's not truthful. Right. It's all, it's all fake. And our kids don't understand that mostly because they're not getting the kind of quality sexuality education that's starting with you, their caregiver, their parent, that can give them accurate information, values-based. And so as kids get older, they use this for their sex education. Uh, our colleague, Joe Langford, says it's they, they think they know how to do sex. And that is not sex. That is entertainment. It's acting. Um, Dan Savage uses an analogy to, like, it's a superhero. Like, you know, Wonder Woman she's a person, but she cannot really do the things that she can do or Spider-Man and porn actors are kind of the same regular folk don't look like that. They don't do those things. They, um, yeah, and they don't sound like that. And so 
you know, our kids are there, they don't know. And if they don't know, then they're going to think, all right, that's how you do this. And so if you can imagine not understanding that, you know, sex really starts with kind of handholding, right? (laughs) Way, way down there at the beginning. Um, And then sure, folks can do that thing, those kinds of things in their own private life. But even then, even then their bodies, nobody's body looks like that. Nobody's penis is that gigantic, you know, um, so it's just, uh, it's just tough and unfortunate. I agree with you in which I've also heard with studies with young people that if they've been exposed so much to this type of porn, that handholding there, that's yicky, but touching other body parts is not. And it's like, where's the progression of this is my body part. I have a choice of what will be done with it. And we have the right to take a pause and say, this is a special part of our bodies. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, part of that ickiness about the like hand holding or whatever, that's usually in young, you know, sort of tweeny land when kids are starting to think about really think about dating and sexuality. And it seems it is intimate to hold someone's hand and it does seem like a big deal, but they compartmentalize, right? They put the porn exposure into this different category. And I don't think they can necessarily, I'm sure they can't connect it to the, right? And yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting dilemma or like a juxtaposition of these two things. Like they can be holding these two things at the same time, but they aren't adults. They don't have the emotional, mental capacity to handle the porn exposure and then be learning about like having their own personal experiences and learning about sexuality at the same time. But if we talk openly about sexuality, make sure our kids are the smartest kids on the playground. When they encounter the porn, they can contextualize it. If they know what porn is, if they understand that people look at it because it makes them feel good in a sexual way, it's not healthy for kids. That helps them to not look at it. They're way more likely to stop looking at it when they see it. And also if you're open with your, you know, if you're really open with your kids, if they do see it, they're more likely to say, Hey, I saw this. and I'm kind of freaking out. And which you've stated that sex talks can help kids keep safer when online. Why is this? Because they, if they already know what sex is, they're going to have, and they have resources, you books, uh, safe uh, videos, like amaze.org or everybody curious where they can learn healthy accurate information about sexuality, then when they have, when they're full of that, then they feel more comfortable, more confident. They're less likely to seek it out. If they have a question, they know where to go to get the answer. And there is no way to prevent this, frankly, from happening. It is going to happen. Might not happen on your time in your home, on your kids' devices, but it could happen at somebody else's house, somebody else's device. And you want them to be um, really ready for it. So just as an example, my friend Kim, she has two daughters and they are four years apart and they play best and worst at the dinner table, you know, in the evening, like what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? Which is an excellent thing to do with your people. And they're doing best part. And then they get around to worst part. And Arden says, well, and this is the first week of, of middle school. Well, a kid showed me porn on his phone. And she said, yeah, I was like, dude, like, please, like, that is no thank you. So she knew exactly what it was. She knew how to manage it. And then four years later, next sibling, first week of middle school, 
best and worst, guess what? Kids showed me porn on the school bus. And because both of those kids were very sex educated, they knew what to do. They knew what to say. They were prepped with a script and they were able to say, yeah, this happened to me. This happened to me. Yeah, because it's between the films that they see, the porn videos, and then also the pictures that they see of body parts. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That, yep, on that school bus or in middle school, cafeteria, that kind of stuff. Well, Amy, what are some of the tech habits that we can use to keep our kids safer online? Well, the first tech habit is to use monitoring and filtering. And this is required if you're going to allow your children to be on the internet in any way. And monitoring is watching. And filtering is what it sounds like, filtering out terms. And there are really great products. One is called Bark. The link's in the show notes. And I cannot stress enough. So aside from the sex talks and talking about, well, I'll give some tips for just managing the tech stuff in general. The thing that you should do is use monitoring and filtering. And I have an analogy for the monitoring and filtering. So first of all, let's think about the internet. We talk about the language we use. We say we go online, right? It's a place we go. It's the World Wide Web. And think about it like that. It's a place. Think about it this way. You would not let your, you wouldn't drop your five-year-old off in front of the grocery store and say, hey, my friend, please go in there and do the grocery shopping. You know, uh, you don't talk to strangers. And can you make sure that you get the organic eggs and not the other eggs. And, you know, just stay out of the candy aisle because that's not why you're here. We would never put set our five-year-old free. We'd probably maybe set our 10-year-old free out in the grocery store. And so we haven't been thinking about the internet like that. So that's the first thing. I strongly encourage you to think about the internet as it is a place and how you would not let your, like you wouldn't let your five-year-old or 10-year-old out in the world, right? Without some information, right? And some practice and that kind of thing. So that's my first thing. My second thing is this, imagine this. So you think about the car, right? And when you're in a car, you always wear a seatbelt, right? So the seatbelt is monitoring. You always, everyone wears a seatbelt in the car. So that's monitoring. So your baby comes home from the, wherever your baby gets in the car for the first time, they're in a bucket, a rear facing bucket. So they are tightly strapped in there. Then eventually they get to flip around and be in a car seat, still very protected. Then they get a booster, still protected. Then they get the front seat. Then they get to drive. So the car seat, et cetera, that's the filtering. So it's very tight when they're little. As they get older, it gets less and less and less. By the time they are probably seventh, eighth grade, when they really need to be able to get more information online for school, you can pull the filtering off, but you're always, always wearing that seatbelt. You're always monitoring. And the reason for this is it protects them. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's something that you need to do because if you're using the Apple thingy and then, okay, they're safe. Or if you're thinking, my child's not interested, my kid would never, you are dead wrong. You're dead wrong. Just like you were curious as a kid, your kids are curious as well. 
I will admit that when I was in elementary school, I would look up words, the dictionary or the encyclopedia. I didn't have the internet, but I would look at certain words like breast, boob, penis. I did that. So I can imagine kids doing the same online. Now, how do you handle when a parent or other caregiver say, yeah, but my kids think I don't trust them. Like, I don't want to have these filters because my kids, you know, and especially as they age, like I want to make sure on their phones, they're doing things. Okay. Yeah. But then they think I don't trust them. What do you say to that? So what? That's what I say to that. It's your job to protect your kids. And again, back to the car, your kid gets in the car. I'm not going to get in an accident. I don't need a seatbelt. It's not their job. And yeah, sure. They don't like it. And yeah, you don't trust the world, right? You don't trust the world and you don't trust your kid. I was just like you. If there had been an internet, I would have been Googling all, every single one of the things. Yeah. And you know, that trust thing is also built. So when you're monitoring and they have wide open monitoring, when you're using Bark or Circle or Custodio, you get a ping. So if they're, they can go anywhere, and you're, but you're watching. So if they Google sex, you're going to get a ping that says, hey, your kid just Googled sex. And then you can have a conversation. So it's really about protecting your kids and having a conversation about it. And you don't just put it on and you do not not tell them it's on. You say, this is what's happening in our family. If you have not been using it, when you install it, you need to apologize to them for not doing it sooner and not keeping them safe online. Uh, it is your responsibility to keep them safe. You know, our kids, there's a whole bunch of stuff our kids don't do, you know, we do that our kids don't like. And again, so what? So what? Put up with the pushback, right? This is parenting, parenting people in puberty, a lot of pushing back. Yeah. And actually that's being a responsible person because I'll, I'll even say to my future teachers of you, you're not there to be friends with your, your students. You're there to provide feedback on what they're learning, the skill development, the functional health knowledge. It's not your job to be liked per se, you know, although we all do want to be liked, but when we're working with young people, we're the person they're supposed to be trusting to do the best for them. And they are going to push back. That's their job. Certainly. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's their job. And I love that. And our parents, you know, yeah, we want our kids to like us, but at the same time, it's our responsibility to help them to grow up, to be whole, healthy, happy people. And if we're making it so they can go Google threesome, why don't y'all Google that instead? Like, you know, Google threesome and pretend you're 15, right? No one needs to, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a porn user. I, no one needs to see that as far as I'm concerned. And then the other thing is that their brains are, as you well know, are in such a way yes. that they're not going to be able to say, ooh, gross, not mm -hmm. watching. Right. Well, sexual stimulation and then curiosity. And so as adults, like I look at that and I'm like, no, thank you. Right. But that's because I have a fully loaded prefrontal cortex. Yeah, I say that to all young people, even when I work with them, like in the middle school or something, that it's not that you're not intelligent. It's just we we're trying to postpone certain decisions for you to make because your brain's not fully developed. So it's like, how can we teach you a breaking system? Because what we see on some of this stuff, we, you need to understand it's not real. And at my former university, we had a controversial speaker that was invited in by the chancellor. It was Nina Hartley, who was known in the porn world. And she talked about how she did stuff for the money. There were certain things she enjoyed, but a lot of stuff she did not enjoy, but that was part of her job. 
And again, controversial because some people are like, why are you having the speaker at the college level? Yet at the same time, it's like, well, she's being honest about this isn't actual lovemaking for a lot of people. Any of them. It's acting. It's acting. They're actors. It's not real. They're making a movie. They're making, they're making a movie. And, you know, I love that she came and spoke because sex work is complicated and that industry is, you know, misunderstood. And, you know, lots of sex workers are happily sex working, happily doing that. That's their job. A lot of them are not, and they're being coerced and, you know, there's a lot of crappy stuff going on. And I think that, um, you know, again, just talking openly about it. And, you know, I also, you know, I, you know, this, right. Cause parents think, well, if I talk openly with my kid about porn and sex and all that, they're going to go out there and do it. Guess what? They're going to do it anyway. Right. And you might as well have them prepared and ready. So when they do make that decision to become sexually active with someone um, that they know how to protect themselves, they understand what consent is, they're as ready as they can be and then ready for seeing the porn and right. Having context for it. Yeah. I think people, parents will use any number of excuses to get out of having these conversations, understandably, right. Uncomfortable. We didn't know what we're doing. Our parents were terrible at it, right. We didn't have the information. So we're in this funky space, but uh, no one's ever parented before. Like we're all newbies, right. And so we're newbies at all of it. And, you know, including talking about sexuality. Yeah. So how can caretakers talk to their kids about porn? Do you have any starters that you recommend? Of course I do. Um, so these days, I if you have not talked to your kids about sex, you do need to talk to them about porn first because it is they need to know what it is. And so what you can say is, hey, just want a heads up. Uh, there are, you can see videos of naked people doing sexual things together online. It is not okay or safe for kids to look at this. They can really mess you up. Your heart, your mind, your body are not ready for this kind of thing. It's, it's adult stuff like coffee or wine. So the rule is, if you use that language, the rule is, especially with younger kids, you need to just stop looking. Um, tell me if you saw it, you won't be in trouble. Then you have to say, have you ever seen anything like that? And you need to be ready to poker face it up with the answer. And then you need to get it out of the way because they have to know that it's unsafe. And when you say, you know, we about the sexual stuff, you need to say, and you know what? We need to be talking about sexuality. We haven't been having those conversations. You're old enough now to have these conversations. You know, I'm really sorry. I didn't think you were ready, but here we go. And then you start having the sex talks. Ideally, you um, you do start with the sex talks, and you know you say, "Hey, if you haven't had these conversations yet, it's just you just need to say, "Hey, I blew it. We should have been talking about this. It's time. You need to learn about sexuality and relationships and that kind of thing because it is a big, important part of life. And I'm sorry, we should have been doing it sooner. And here we go. And that is it. Kick the door open. Then. We're going to get books and stuff for you. And we're going to start talking about this. And then you start talking about it. And then it's much easier to say, hey, there are videos of people having sex, not okay or safe, won't be in trouble. You need to let me know if you see it. And then again, I don't even know how to, like, I, if I could just force parents, I think when babies come home, like the baby comes, you get monitoring and filtering. <laughs> I think it's just part of the baby package. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Welcome. Like at every, you know, and every, you know, things change, but like, hey, it's your shower. Here's your monitoring and filtering. Um, and that has to, has to, has to be part of it. Has to be part of it. Do you have any other words of advice for parents and other caregivers? Mm, yeah, you know, I think that we turn this, uh, the idea of talking with kids about sexuality into a really big thing. And I think that's, like I said before, we don't know how to do it. We had terrible examples, but the reality is you can chunk this down into little pieces. I'm a super fan of tiny homework and, you know, there are resources listed. And I think one of the most important things you can do for yourself and your kids is to think and talk about how you learned, how you learned about sexuality, what message messages you got. So you can kind of clear the path. And then some of that worked, right? I got books no conversation. The conversation would have been real good, but I didn't get any. And that worked for me. So that's something in our family, Milo's 21 now, that we had books and we had these resources. So what worked for you? Also thinking about what are your hopes for your kids as they grow up and as they, you know, when they launch, like what are your, what are your hopes for them? That will really help settle you down and get these conversations going. And, you know, again, also, thinking about this in terms of preparation and not prevention. They are going to do something sexual. They have a human right to be as informed as they possibly can be. And, you know, if you're worried about the damn calculus grades or the literature grade, just think about in your life, like who uses, I don't even know what calculus is, frankly. Um, (laughs) Who uses that in the regular, in the regular life, right? We are sexual from the beginning. We have relationships from the beginning and it is much more important that your child is well-versed in that than it is in calculus. So, you know, start with yourself, take small bites, keep them short and sweet, relax and admit you're uncomfortable and admit you don't know what you're doing. And research tells us that when we talk honestly with young people about the topic of sexuality, there is a delay in sexual behaviors. Yep. It's not huge, but it's there. And they feel more confident. They're more likely to use protection. They're more likely to do it in a consensual way. They're more likely to be in a relationship. It's all to the good. It's all to the good. And if you need help with those discussions, just a reminder, the book was said earlier, coming out this spring from Amy is called Sex Talk with Tweens, What to Say and How to Say It. And I also want to do a plug for the Talk Puberty app that was created for conversations to be started and continued. And there's sections on there that you can start with, and it just helps you create bridges and communication. Yeah, I love that. And it's an app. So you can just pop in there, right? And be like, hey, help me. Help me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just like your book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In my book, there's a whole section on porn, right? And I give you the scripts and there's scripts for what to do if a kid's at your house and they see porn, how to talk to the other family and vice versa, which is never, none of that's fun. And Mm -hmm. pretty much everything else you can think of. And, you know, it is, there are tips for how to have the conversations and some information about that, but really it is what to say and how to say it. And it, it'll help, it'll increase your comfort and confidence in having the conversations and it's going to make you sweat, but Hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to parenting and sexuality. Do you have any advice for young people that might be listening in? My advice to you is to find safe resources. Scarletteen.com is awesome. Amaze.org is amazing. Ha <laughs> ha. 
uh, you can find really safe resources that are going to like scarletine in particular is terrific. You got a question like, what is non-binary thing? I think I'm any number of things. I have a crush on a person. It is in there and it is so good. Heather Crean is a master. So that's one thing. Find safe sources. If you think you're having trouble with the porn, you're using it a lot and it doesn't make you feel good, then there are lots of resources, folks you can reach out to that will help you with that. It is, there is nothing wrong with you. Porn can really suck you in. Um, So that's another point. The other thing too, is take a minute and think about your life. Who, what adult in your life is trustworthy? So if you have a problem, who would you go to that's maybe not your parent or caregiver that you can trust that will help you and support you? I think that's really important. And, you know, the other thing is if your parents are not talking to you, you know, if you're 15, 16, 17, and you want to approach them about something, test the waters, start with something that's pretty low stakes and see how they respond to it. So there are great books out there. Spare me the talk for boys, spare me the talk for girls. The pride guide is awesome. Body drama for people with vaginas is awesome. Um, so there are also really good books out there. And I, you know, I get one, get one. They're going to be safe. And yeah. And then the other thing too is, you know, really trust your gut. If you're in a relationship, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Straight up. Straight up. Your gut is never wrong. Never wrong. I believe sometimes people go with their brain and they rationalize too much, but follow that gut. And I think, do you watch Ted Lasso? Oh yeah. So he had a line once that was something like, you know, you always got to go with your gut on the way down to your gut, checking with your heart. Yeah. I love that. And it takes some practice, right? So practice with other things, not relationships. So if your friends want to go out and you're thinking, I don't think so. I don't feel like it. Don't go. Mm -hmm. Don't go. And another piece of advice is to throw your parents under the bus. My mom would kill me if they knew I was X, Y, Z. I cannot do this. I will get in so much trouble. And they might peer pressure you and just be like, I cannot risk it. I've already been in trouble. And that's a perfectly legit thing to do. But yeah, it takes practice to trust your gut. And as you get older, especially if you are a female woman identified person, we are taught to smash that baby down. So really pay attention and develop it. It's good for everybody, right? It's good for everybody. Um, But I love that. Check with your heart on the way down. Brilliant. Now, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or check out your books and podcast, where can they go online? My website, birdsandbeesandkids.com. And if you're, pod- you're obviously a podcast listener, so go listen to my podcast. Just say this. And then I'm on Instagram and the Facebook. It's at Birds, Bees, Kids. Um, and yeah, those are the best places to catch up with me. And you, know, you can also email me. It's amy at birdsandbeesandkids.com. And one last resource, I, which we haven't talked about, I have, an online, uh, I have an online program called the Birds and Bees Solution Center, and it has nearly everything you need to become their go-to person. Lots of videos. I do coaching once a month, and I'm adding a bunch of advanced classes that are really deep dives into things like how to have the conversation, because our talk right now is just not enough to make it happen. So that's all on my website, but yeah, podcast listener to podcast listener, go check out my podcast. And what I'll do is I'll put a link in this 
episode's description to make sure that people can find both your website as well as your podcast. Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end today, Amy? You can do this. You can do this. Pick something small, something that doesn't feel too high stakes and start the conversations. The thing I would highly recommend you do is go look at Bark and decide and purchase something, anything and install the monitoring and the filtering. That is the biggest gift you can give your kids put up with their pushback. And that is the biggest thing. So that would be my tiny homework for you. Tiny homework. Great. And thank you so much for being here today, Amy. I really appreciate your time and your advice. I really do. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening in. And please check out Amy's website, birdsandbeesandkids.com. Again, there'll be a link in the description. If you have any questions for me, go to my website, pubertyprof.com. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.